Hello, everybody, and welcome to Missed Opportunities. Today, we are talking about Percy Jackson, Sea of Monsters. There is no and the, there is no Olympians. It is just Percy Jackson, Sea of Monsters. They were so. the first one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Laura is going to do a summary for us of what happens in the movie, yeah. And then we'll we'll talk about it again. Laura's read the books, and I have not. So <laughs> go ahead with the go ahead with the synopsis of the movie. Awesome. So yeah, the synopsis of the movie is basically a little bit bit of background that we started off with. There is a tree. Anyway, but this magic tree enables a magic barrier to be allowed around camp, and this tree actually has one of Zeus Zeus's Zeusers. I can talk. This has one of Zeus's daughters in it. The story is that about six or seven years ago, there were three half-bloods and a satyr on their way to camp. We find out that it's Annabeth, Luke, Grover, and this girl named Talia. On their way to Camp Half-Blood, they're being attacked by monsters the whole way. Talia gives up her life so that the other three can get into camp safely. And Zeus decides to honor her sacrifice by turning her into the tree and having it strengthen and build this huge magic barrier around the camp so no monsters can get in at all to protect the other kids because that's what she gave up her life to do was to protect other children. So we fast forward um, and we find out that someone has actually poisoned Talia's tree. It's Luke. Luke from the first movie, if you remember, was the bad guy, half-blood, son of Hermes, who turned bad. He poisoned her tree, and so they're looking for something that can help heal her tree, because without that barrier, monsters are coming in, and they're having to fight off monsters right in the middle of their own camp. They find out that the Golden Fleece would be able to help save the tree, so they send this new character that we just meet in this movie, Clarice, on the quest. Now, Clarice and Percy do not get along at all. They're rivals. And she's a son. She's not a son. I'm sorry. She's a daughter of Ares, the god of war. So she gets sent on this quest, but Percy believes that she's going to need help, that she's not going to be able to complete it without that help. So he and Annabeth and Grover decide to go and they get joined by Tyson. Tyson gets introduced in this movie. He is Percy's half-brother. He is the son of Poseidon and a sea nymph. And apparently when a sea nymph and Poseidon have children, they come out Cyclops. But he's a nice Cyclops. And he's also very young for a Cyclops. He's a younger one. So they all go to get this golden fleece. They have to go through all these monsters. There's a lot of adventures, again, with the Greek mythology. Eventually, they do find Clarice. They do find the golden fleece. Along the way, Grover gets kidnapped has to wear a dress and convince the Cyclops that he's a girl Cyclops. They rescue him. They get the fleece from the giant Cyclops guarding it. And then they return the fleece. Oh, sorry. Chrono. Sorry. I'm getting into the part of the movie that it's not in the book. So I forgot it existed. They get the fleece. Luke comes and takes the fleece from them, planning to restore Kronos. If you remember from mythology, also I think they mentioned it in the first movie, Kronos is the titan who ate his children, but Zeus tricked him and then um, cut him up in a bunch of pieces and threw him in the middle of Tartarus. Tartarus? Tartarus. Tartarus, thank you. Threw him down to the depths of Tartarus. Luke got a casket with pieces of him and brought him back up to Earth and was planning on using the Golden Fleece to get Kronos back together. 
Kronos, for the most part, comes back together um, in the movie, kind of is still floating around in pieces, but he's basically back. He eats Luke, he eats Grover, and he's just causing havoc, him and all these other monsters, eating half-bloods left and right, vowing to avenge himself on Olympus and destroy the Olympian gods, his own children and great-grandchildren. He gets defeated by Percy, of course, and then they get the Golden Fleece. They manage to get back to camp just in time to save the tree and restore the magic barrier. The next morning they wake up and not only was the tree restored, but Talia is alive and lying at the base of the tree. And it ends with her saying, I'm Talia, the daughter of Zeus. And I also forgot to mention there's a prophecy in the movie that they talk about saying that a child of one of the big three, Zeus, Hades, or Poseidon, if they live until 20, they will either be the savior, basically, of Olympus or the destroyer of Olympus. And up until then, Percy was the only half-blood, meaning half-human, half-god. Tyson doesn't count because he's half-sea nymph. So he was only half-blood so that it could have been about. But with Talia back, now the prophecy could be about her or it could be about him. So that's that's a summary of the movie in a, in a nutshell, basically. Right. Okay, so um, let's start with our first notes. Very uh, beginning. The very beginning. <laughs> uh, go ahead. Sorry, one second. Someone's calling Jonathan's phone and I could hear it. Okay, it's gone. So they start at camp in the movie and the, in the in the book... They have a complete, there's a completely different b- opening, but I actually didn't mind the opening that they had in the movie because in the book, I, I like watched the pages. It wasn't until like page 100, 102 that Percy even left on the quest um, because in the book, he starts at school. He's going to school with Tyson. He knows Tyson. He does not know that they're related, but he knows Tyson. They're, they go to school together. Um, and then he goes to camp and all this stuff happens. So I wrote like, you know, the difference, but I actually liked how they opened it up because Clarice is in the first book, but she wasn't in the first movie. So I liked how they kind of gave us the, so, showing us the rivalry between Percy and Clarice in a very, like right off the bat, they have a rivalry. That scene is not in the book. It's cool, but it's not in the book at all. But I did like how they introduced her and Mr. D, who is Dionysus, who was also not in the first movie. They like just basically did a character dump of here's people we forgot to introduce last time. <laughs> yeah, well, they that- totally did that way. I was like, oh, hey, that's the character that Laura was talking about. Oh, hey, that's the other character that Laura was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I totally felt that. done, though, yeah. is because the book they do chariot races there's a there's a long section where they do chariot races and Clarice wins and I kind of wish for the opening scene they had kept it to chariot races it would not have been the same as in the book because in the book they get attacked during it and it's like a whole big thing but if they're going to do an opening scene showing the rivalry showing the new characters I kind of wish it had been that chariot race from the book or at least a nod to the book but I do like that they took the time to introduce characters yeah, so I have a note before that, actually. So, oh, wow. Go for it. Yeah, so the movie opens up um, with the... Percy is narrating, and yes. he kind of narrates everything that's, that happens, and he's like, seven years ago, um, three people were traveling to Camp Half-Blood, the only place that they were going to be safe. Or I guess he says four people, three and one. He doesn't mention that it's Grover and he's a satyr, but... Yeah. Anyway. 
he says four kids were going there only three of them made it and then it kind of shows the scene so yeah. and then he talks about okay so first off um annabeth screams no talia and then luke talia talia like five different times they scream this girl's name and then Percy comes back in with the narration her name was talia it was like we get it just in case like, you I forgot really, her name yeah. <laughs> like i wish like if they were gonna do like percy's uh voiceover i feel like they should have had his voiceover first and then like her name was talia and then the scene with talia and so you know what's yeah. going on and like um so that was That's my cool. first note why did they why did they do it that way my second yeah. note for that scene was they've only been protected for seven years so from what i i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna open up the book i'm pretty sure they mention it more in the first book which is actually in the room with me let me grab it because I didn't see the tracks on him, but I am pretty darn sure that there was a magical barrier around the camp before, and what the tree did was, like, reinforce it or lengthen where the barrier was, like, stretch it out from where it was, so it's a bit farther from camp, so you had, you had less to go, or something. Like, it, it didn't create it. They had protection before. That's why everyone went there to be safe. But it, Yeah, because like, it kind of was, like, the only place they're going to be safe is Camp Half-Blood, but then it was... Like once her tree got poisoned, all of a sudden the barrier was coming down and monsters were getting in. And that was the whole thing is they had to save the tree because otherwise they didn't have a barrier. Also, the tree is outside of the gate. And mm-hmm. when his mom in the first movie couldn't make it into camp, it was at the gate, not, you know, 100 yards away from the gate. Yeah. So that was an inconsistency from the first movie. But honestly, I really liked this movie and I would watch it again without the first movie. <laughs> like it has yeah. enough of the it has enough of the exposition in the beginning. Like it retells the story of like, oh, you went on a quest, you saved Olympus. Like it tells you all the information that you need. So really this you could just watch this movie and not watch the first one and you'd be fine. Um <laughs> I, and I heard that a lot of people enjoyed the second movie more than the first. And I just had such a prejudice against the first movie. I was like, there's no way the second movie can be any good. But I really did enjoy it a lot more than the first movie. Even with them still not, they didn't stick to the book very closely. They stuck more closely. They took a lot from it, but they didn't like stick to the book. But even with that, I still enjoyed it. Jesus just added her tree as part of the barrier as like a reminder or a tribute or something like because I'm, they had safe they were safe before then too <laughs> yeah it just didn't make that much sense because they're like why were those kids running to the camp to be safe mm-hmm. if there wasn't safety at the camp yet you know like so I don't know um yeah and then the next one is is the scene that you were talking about where so it opens up with sort of a challenge. They're doing like um, modern day gladiator type of thing or uh, mm-hmm. what are they called? Those strongman competitions where they're like running obstacles, courses and stuff. And yeah. it's a competition. And we see Percy is, you know, he's a good guy because he saves, you know, he, he's about to win and he gives up winning to help somebody that was getting hurt. Um, mm-hmm. Which is... 
um, it's a story trope of, you know, kind of establishing who's the good guy and who's the bad guy is have them, you know, like the trick of have them save a cat. Well, he, you know, didn't save a cat. He saved a person, but it's that it's just establishing. It's a storytelling device of like establishing this is a good person. And this is the, this is their bad rival, you know? Yeah. And I thought they did a good job. They introduced her, you know, she's obviously a bully. Grover has like a bunch of info dumps about her of like, Oh, she did this. And then they mentioned like the helm of darkness and all the things that were in the book that uh, weren't in the first movie that people complained about. They like mentioned it, like it happened afterwards, <laughs> you know, like it happened in between the movies off screen, um, trying to like backtrack of what they did with the first movie. But yeah, um, they did a lot of that actually throughout. That's one of my notes is they did a lot of catching up. Yeah. And from what they did for the first movies which I think took up time I'm glad they did it and I don't think they took up a horrible amount of time like it was the worst decision ever but it did take time yeah it would have been better if they had just done the first movie right but but honestly I feel like I could just watch this one like the title is different it's other than it has not all the same actors because um Mm -hmm. Chiron is a different actor that I, was, I was like Anthony Head. Anthony Head is the actor, and I love him. He's a great yeah, actor. And I was like, oh hey, it's Uther and Giles. Yeah, but then I realized he was supposed to be Chiron, and I was like, oh, Pierce Brosnan's gone. So yeah, yeah, I did I, like Pierce Brosnan too. I wish maybe maybe Anthony Head should have been Dionysus, and Pierce Brosnan could have stayed Chiron. Oh, uh, what's his name? Tucci. Stanley Tucci is Dionysus. Yes, I love I him. I never recognize him. He always looks so different in every movie. He's fantastic. Yeah, I really liked him. The whole like he the wine into water and he couldn't get drunk and like he, they kind of <laughs> info dump like what happens to him exactly what you said yep. <laughs> from our first podcast. What you were saying it was in the book as in the movie. I was like, oh hey, Laura totally described that to me. <laughs> like, yeah so as I said like they actually they literally took like scenes and things from the first book yeah I can't find it in the book anymore anyway but they took stuff from the first book and like put it in here so I'm glad because I I feel like they they could have done the second movie and not have Mr. D just had Chiron keep doing what Mr. D did like they did in the first movie and I don't think people would have blamed them because it's the second one but the way they did it it made it seem like he was just assigned and that's why he wasn't in the first movie and I wasn't mad about it because I like his character yeah I liked it I I thought it was good I thought having the two the contrasting characters was way better and Mm -hmm. so I and, and I feel like way the way that it was portrayed was that we weren't really introduced to everybody in the first movie like they maybe they weren't there or maybe it wasn't um like he just wasn't introduced to them because when he was at because he's not at the camp for very long in the first movie all he does is do the capture the flag and then leaves basically he's gone. yeah yeah so i feel like they kind of were like yeah these characters were there <laughs> we just didn't meet them because they weren't important in the first movie kind of a thing so which i didn't yeah. mind um so I talked to before in the first movie about the music wasn't very good. I actually really liked the music, especially in this first scene. Um, but it was weird because it wasn't. So it was kind of acting like the, 
I don't even know what it's called, but like when the music kind of takes over, not like a montage or anything, but like mm-hmm. the, the sound goes out and the music is louder and it's just the scene with this loud rock music, but the music didn't get necessarily louder. So you have like this rock music, like kind of playing in the background <laughs> and it didn't get louder <laughs> when they weren't talking. And so I was yeah. like, they almost had like a action musical uh like thing but then they like didn't and I thought that was weird because I was like oh good they finally have like some like cool music that is giving it personality and then it was like too quiet and I was like is that my tv (laughs) like what is wrong (laughs) but no it was just it was literally they just they never like went full into action happening with loud music it was music in the background the whole time and it was weird but my baby likes that. I like the music. My baby liked the music. She started dancing. She was like sitting on my lap watching it with me. She started like wiggling and dancing to it when it came on. So, yeah. <laughs> so the music is the the song choice was good. The way they used it, maybe not the best, but the song choice itself was we liked it. Yeah, and I thought it gave it more personality because the first movie, like the music, had no personality. Yeah, I agree. I really. Uh, I, overall, I really did like this movie a lot more than the first. Um, the next note that I have, I liked his joke about the water and wine, how hit, when he pours wine, it turns into water because that's part of his punishment. And he's like, you know, there was a God who could turn water into, like, do it the opposite, water into wine. Now that's a God. And I thought that was really funny. <laughs> Yeah, he's like the Christian, especially as he's a like, Christian. I I thought that was just I I thought it was hilarious. He's like, you know, the Christians, ha- you know, the Christians, they have a someone who could do this in reverse. Now that's a God. Like it was really yes, bad. that's how he said it. It was, and it, knowing that the Stanley Tucci, because I never recognize him, which is I think amazing if you can be that famous and be transformed into every character you do. So I love him, but I thought he just delivered the line perfectly. <laughs> it was. Yeah. I laughed out loud at that. Um, so then um, my next one is uh, the bull attacking. Yeah. So the, as I said, like they do things that were in the book, but out of order. So the bull was out of order, which I understand because they start at camp. So they don't start with Percy at school. So in the book, it's very different. He starts at school. It's the last day of school, actually. And there's monsters at his school. Annabeth comes. She's been chased by monsters across the entire country. So she's come to get Percy and, and take him to camp. Grover is not there. In the At the end of the first book, Grover goes on a quest to find the nature god Pan, who everyone believes is dead except Sater. Satyrs believe that Pan is still out there and needs to be found and rescued. And so he's he's gone. Go- Grover is not in the first part of the book, like physically present. Um, anyway, so what happens is the they take the taxi that comes up later. I'm sorry, but they take a taxi to camp and then they get it. The bulls, when they arrive, the bulls are there attacking camp when they arrive and everyone's fighting them. So I like that they kept the bulls, that the bulls would come attack camp um, because they started at camp, which I'm not mad about. I don't know what I expected with the order of it. But I was kind of upset about the actual fight scene. I mean, it looked like Percy was the only one actually trying to fight the bulls and Clarice. 
instead of everyone at camp, everyone at camp is trained in weapons. Everyone at camp has weapons. Everyone actually like, but I, in the background, you just see kids screaming and running away from nothing. Well, that like, was a really, yeah, I agree. That was a really mixed scene. But in the, in the movie, there's only one bull. There's not multiple. And oh, yeah. So, this is like three. Yeah. So at first, everybody goes to like watch the barrier because everybody knows that nothing can get through the barrier. So they're just watching. And then all of a sudden, the bull breaks through and everybody's kind of shocked. So they run. But they run to go get their weapons. And it shows them having yeah. weapons. Yes. But then, but then, you know. No one does anything. Percy yeah, distracts it. And Annabeth stabs it. And, and it eats her her spirit, so she doesn't do any damage. Clarice attacks it. Clarice, what is her name? Clarice. So Clarice attacks it, and she almost dies. And then t- the Cyclops gets Tyson. Uh, that's actually one of my notes. Tyson, he, he grabs the bull by the horns because Cyclops have, like, super strength, which, by the way, so did demigods, so that was kind of weird. But um, he... Cyclops, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he has. So he stops the bull. He saves Clarice by. It was, yeah, it was Clarice. He saves the Clarice by stopping the bull by the horns, and then the bull. It's a mechanical bull, not yeah. a mechanical bull. It's a bull that is made out of like magic and mechanics. <laughs> and ge- mechanical it has bull. gears. It was made by Hephaestus, <laughs> which, if you know mythology, Hephaestus is like the blacksmith to the gods. He made yeah. these bulls, so it's magic infused with blacksmith with theory. Sure. And yeah. so anyway, it, it, it breathes fire on him, basically. It's like a flamethrower comes out and like breathes fire onto the Cyclops. And then the Cyclops is, you know, he's fine because they're uh, fireproof. Fireproof. But why are his clothes like just fine? <laughs> like in the next scene, they're like a little bit, you know, black on the edges (laughs) but that's like just like barely cinched and he's like engulfed in flame you guys like just covered head to toe in flame it's a child's movie Taya they can't like bring his clothes off I don't know like I mean they could like burn his shirt or something like at least like make it so like the back of his shirt was still there and like his pants were there but like yeah no I agree like the flame like goes away and then he's like exactly the same as he was when the flame started that's yeah you know <laughs> I did Don't notice that me. I think they could have at least yeah burned off a, a good portion of the shirt if nothing else um or if he was wearing a jacket over it maybe that would have been yeah like something. good yeah but his hair and himself obviously remain perfectly fine but yeah his clothing should have taken a hit I do agree with that but um, and, and then, they should have directed the fire to more his upper half so that we weren't talking about how he still had pants even though it's a children's movie and <laughs> exactly like that would have been fine like he didn't have to be completely engulfed in flame he could have just had I mean honestly you can just burn someone's face and they would die so the fact that he survived his face being burned is really all we needed <laughs> yeah but anyway so during that fight scene um Annabeth like I don't know. I don't. She like trips or falls or gets knocked by the bull. Oh, I think she's she gets like thrown into the wall. And Sorry. then and then per- and she's like Percy, and he like comes and grabs her, and they run away. And I was just like, Hey, she's, she's like the warrior woman. She beat the crap out of him in the first movie. Like, why did you make her the warrior woman if she is doing like 
Like, yeah, she stabs the bull, but then she has to be rescued by Percy, like, two seconds later. <laughs> and, like, it wasn't, like, so, like, Clarice, like, attacks the bull and gets knocked out, and then the bull's, like, rushing at her. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's that's in battle. That's going to happen. That that didn't make me think any less of Clarice. No, but when it happens to Annabeth, she gets thrown, she falls, and then she's, like, awake. So, you know, she's not unconscious, so he doesn't have to save her because she's unconscious. And then she gets up and runs her hand out. It's like, like she tripped or something. Because also when everyone's running, she trips and calls out Percy. Like they made her such a wimp in this movie, which makes me so mad because she is so opposite in the book. She saves Percy's butt in this book from monsters over and over. Yeah. She's been at the camp since seven years old. She has trained longer than anyone else at the camp. So not only is she good at, so she's not the best warrior and the book explains she's not the best warrior, but she's the smartest strategian they have. In the book. So she, what she lacks in like brute force and honestly, Percy, he's like one of the best swordsmen they have. So he's like the best like actual athlete going in and doing the fighting, but she's the best at knowing what's the best way to do it. So in the book, she just, over and over again saves up with strategy with her wits with knowing who's best at what and assigning them to that and she helps a lot with the bulls in the book as as well as everything else so it really made me so mad to see that she was such a wimp in this it really made my blood boil to see her be so wimpy also can we stop to take a second and talk about her hair i want to hear your thoughts on her hair i liked it better than the first movie oh my goodness they look less like siblings (laughs) yeah like I I didn't get the sibling vibe as as much still a little bit but not as much yeah yeah I don't know I her hair didn't really bother me because they were like trying to make her a little bit blonder they finally watched their own movie and realized that the two of them look exactly the same (laughs) so they tried to like change it up a bit and I guess like and like you said she was blonde in the book so they kind of make her blonde in this one her hair is pretty inconsistent um, yes. because it's, it's not her hair. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I just, I don't know. It was just the way that they told that, like, her getting rescued by Percy was so annoying. <laughs> it was. <laughs> because because they, they literally show, like, she's not injured. So she couldn't, mm. like, you know, like, if she couldn't run or something and she needed help. No, she literally gets up and runs the next second. So what was the point of that? Other than ruining everything that you created in the first movie, which is, that's fine. Yeah. But like, if you, I feel like they just forgot that they did a first movie, which wasn't a too big a deal because. (laughs) They should forget the first, maybe not should, but you should still watch it to see keep up consistencies but the thing is neither neither movie really shows annabeth neither movie neither iteration of her is annabeth they're just not like she it's a it's a nice character to have on screen inconsistent but it's not annabeth is this girl who's obsessed with greek architecture she wants to be an architect she's wicked smart she's the best strategist they have she's you know, she's very witty with Percy. They have like this dialogue back and forth that's kind of snippy at first. And then even once they're friends, it still kind of stays snippy a bit, but they trust each other. Like, it's just, 
she she's just as capable in every way as Percy. She survived all the way across the country and found Percy by herself in the, at the very beginning of the Sea of Monsters book. So the fact that and but she's not she doesn't do it just by being a warrior. Like she's smart. She also has a cap that turns her invisible, so that helps and stuff. So they they just never show that. They never show her um not just intelligence like what's the word i'm looking for I mean, yeah, yes intelligence but like how how well she can take care of herself i guess like what's the word i'm looking for independence not that you know what i'm saying <laughs> they never show that side of her they don't really them. show any side of her honestly no. like there's very <laughs> little character development in this because they introduce a lot of new characters in this movie they introduce tyson they introduce clarice they introduce the new teacher they introduce um a lot of like luke's gang chris hernandez or something chris rodriguez i think it was rodriguez Rodriguez. chris rodriguez selena something and someone else so they just they introduce a lot of characters so they don't go really deep into any of the characters um that they have like first of all percy was super bland in this movie like honestly (laughs) he was he was not very entertaining and so I feel like she just kind of hit that which I wouldn't mind you know like if she was meant to be just the love interest if that was her role in the story or if she was meant to be a friend character if that was her role in the story if she was meant to just kind of be sort of a legolas Gimli you know just part of the group and but not necessarily changing the story itself. That would have been fine. But I feel like she was supposed to be bigger and then just wasn't. Oh, yeah. She's absolutely a huge part of the books. And again, because the books take place when they're much younger, like this takes place the summer after, I think, seventh grade, because the first one was the summer of sixth grade or after sixth grade. Um, they're like maybe 13 now they're ju- they're friends at this point they're really good friends because you know it's kind of like when you save someone's life over and over again you get a bond <laughs> it's really hard it's really hard for anyone to come between them um even when they argue and stuff they still like you know they still stay friends obviously but they do still have arguments they still like go after yeah, each other yeah, yeah, they have personalities. personalities and stuff, and but they're they're friends. At least at this point in the series, they're just very solidly friends, and also like comrades. Is that what you call like people in the military, like like a brother and sister type of thing? Where like they brother have an under- bond. Yeah, brother in arms. That's the kind of relationship they have in the se- by the second book. It's a brother in arms. They know their strengths. They know what they can each do in battle. In the first book, Percy might question, like, what do you mean you're going to go do that? Or, like, what should I do? By the second book, there are a lot more, okay, she does that. I'm going to do this. And, like, just getting stuff done. And, yeah, they 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 did Annabeth bad. Um, Grover, however, I liked more in this movie. He still questioned some of his lines and delivery at times. But it was a lot better, this movie. So much better, this movie. Well, he's not in half of it. <laughs> it's true. He's not supposed to. And if they stuck to the book, he wouldn't be until the last half, honestly. Um, yeah. So anyway, getting back to the notes. <laughs> so the the bull is attacking Percy. And yeah. he is basically like in the same situation as what Tyson was. 
so the bull's horns are like right by his head, but the bull's horns are so big that he can't ram Percy. So he's in the exact, he's looking at the bull the exact same way that Tyson was. And then the bull like opens up and has a blade. But why didn't yeah. it shoot fire? <laughs> like it, it literally just shot fire to Tyson. And why yeah. didn't it just do the same thing to Percy? It would have killed Percy. Yeah, it absolutely killed Percy. Um, that was, again, that was a bit of plot armor. That was, yeah, it was a bit of plot armor, a bit of was, convenience. It definitely was. It was de- so in the book, how they defeat the bulls is well, Tyson defeats one or two of them. I think might be two by smash. So okay, also in the book, Tyson is massive. He is a cyclops, so he is massively big, right? In this movie, they did not make him massively big like he's at least six foot three so we find out that tyson is about seven maybe eight years old cyclops right so he's like a little cyclops in terms of cyclops but to humans he's enormous they thought he was a a teenager just because of the way he talked if he talked better he would have they thought people would have thought he was an adult but like he was at least six foot three he was super broad super big his fingernails were supposed to be the size of potato chips as described in the book like so he is huge he's very 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 strong and he just basically takes his fist and slams them into the bull's face and smashes their heads in after they breathe fire on him and that's the end of i think two bulls i think he he takes down two bulls and then they keep the bulls actually the camp keeps them and uses them to do like like make the chariot field and like do farming and stuff because once their heads are smashed and they can't shoot fire. <laughs> so they're all tame. But yeah. anyway, so I, so I guess they didn't want to, sh- I don't know why they didn't do that in the movie. They had the part where they breathed fire on him and he was unharmed. I'm like, okay, here it comes. Even though he's small, they're going to show how strong he is. He's going to smash the face in and they didn't. And I thought that was so strange that they kept it going. And I thought it I was strange. They only had one bull and said that they didn't have multiple. They yeah. just had the one. And yeah. so I think the reason for that was like they wanted Percy to defeat the bull. <laughs> um, Percy doesn't have to do anything. <laughs> he doesn't do anything in this movie. So they needed to give him something. <laughs> I guess. Um, but yeah. My next note is after or right before the prophecy. Okay, so the prophecy, I have to talk about the Oracle and the prophecy, of course. I am so happy that they included it in this movie. I really wish they had it in the first movie. But as we know, the first movie didn't follow the book at all. So every time that you go on a quest, before you go, you go up to the Oracle, you get a prophecy. Now, they included the character. They did not include how the character is. They like changed her. Like She tells the story and everything. In the book, you get a riddle. That's a prophecy. And as you go along, you figure out, of course, what each line means. Like, oh, this line, like, that just happened or whatnot. But it's a riddle. And that's all you get. She doesn't do any explaining. She doesn't go into history, history, anything like that from what I remember. Maybe in books she does. But from the two I read, she just gives you a riddle and, like, you're left with that. Um, But I am glad they included her. But I did also have a note about what she said. And I was going to ask you because you're, like, the mythology expert. So you go ahead with your no, it might be, it might answer my question. Sorry, that was like a roundabout way of getting to that. But I, I didn't like that, how they changed the I, I like 
I'm looking at my notes right now. Like I didn't really answer any questions. <laughs> okay. So I'll ask you after you say your no, but like, I am upset that they changed the purpose of the Oracle. It kind of, but I'm glad so, they had her. Yeah. It does kind of come out of the blue again, because it was supposed to be in the first movie and it wasn't um, like, Oh, by the way, to Percy, there's this prophecy about you, but like the, <laughs> At the, the timing that it puts the prophecy in and where he hears the explanation. So, first of all, it's like the son of one of the big three, like, is going to save Olympus or destroy it. And it's like, okay, first of all, you just introduced the fact that he has a brother. Second of all, you we know from the first movie, and they've said it, like, they've reiterated it several times, that he's already saved Olympus. And it's yeah. like, it kind of, as the movie goes along, it explains it like, you're the only human and God son of Poseidon, you know, one of the big three. And so that's why it can't be Tyson. But they don't explain that at the beginning of it when they hear yeah. the prophecy. And mm-hmm. then they don't explain that, like, it has to be another time that he's saving Olympus because he's already saved Olympus. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and so it was just, it was kind of weird, like, because I knew that there was a, I knew that there was a prophecy because you had talked about it before, but yeah. it was kind of like the way that they well, presented yeah. it didn't make a lot of sense. It made in, in their own universe, it didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. And they, there's a prophecy for every quest that anyone goes on. So how do I explain this? Yeah, there is a, there is a general prophecy, not specifically about Percy because he wasn't around like to get the prophecy from the Oracle, if this makes sense, but there was a prophecy that, Hey, someone's gonna come as a child of the big three and do that and I now I could be wrong because again I skimmed the first book because of time so I didn't like read it read it I skimmed it but I think in the book they explained that's why Zeus said we cannot have kids like the big three we don't have kids because we don't want to destroy we don't want to take the 50 50 chance that Olympus will be destroyed now the prophecy could have come after but that's what I it but that would make sense to me. So there's like that general prophecy. And then there's prophecies when you decide to leave and go on a quest or do something. Anyway. Um, but there's like prophecies when you go, when you leave camp with a specific purpose, you go in and the Oracle will give you like a riddle, four lines, just four. And you're supposed to like go on your quest with that riddle in mind and figure it out. And that's all she does. That's all she gives you. She doesn't give you this history lesson. She doesn't like, so they, they confuse us because I, I think the, the, the prophecy that she gave, I think was like the general one that she, that had been given years before, not the specific one for his, his journey. And that was really confusing for everyone. Even if you read the books, you're sitting there like, I don't think that, this quest that's not right now no 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 because, <laughs> yeah, because it doesn't she, he doesn't go up there for the quest he literally goes up there to hear the prophecy that was about him he Which doesn't go for the book. yeah, yeah it was well, not in the book at all because it's, they don't know that it's about him at this point in time it, they they think it is because he's the only one that they know of but they don't know that so the oracle wouldn't give him the prophecy yeah mm-hmm. It was it was very confusing. Like as much as I like this movie, there was like there was confusing things to where it didn't really make sense just within its own world. Um, yeah. Like I said, it, it does later explain like it has to it couldn't be Tyson. It had to be like a human and a, a son of a god. And then it talks about two cousins um, fighting over the like grappling over the fleece. Mm-hmm. But then 
and so and first of all luke is not his cousin (laughs) i Um, know but then but then luke calls them all hey we're all cousins because all the gods are related and so we're all you know like so he calls them cousins so it's like okay that's what you're going for it you know and so like they, they explain it along the way, but when you s- first hear the prophecy, because again, it was supposed to be in the, we were supposed to have already known the prophecy. Um, but like, because you get it at this point in the story, it's, it's weird. <laughs> like, yeah. I kind of wish like his narration at the beginning wasn't about Talia. It was about the prophecy. <laughs> well, he doesn't. And then we so just, here's the thing. Here's like so the really weird thing. thing. In, in the first book, he knows there's a prophecy. He knows everyone thinks it's about him and he knows it's bad. And that's all he knows. So in the second book, he does find out more about the prophecy and the fact that one of the big three will either destroy or save Olympus by the time they're... And it's a different age because they're younger. In the movie, it's 20. In the books, it's 16. But they're clearly past 16 <laughs> in the movie. So they had to up it to 20. Um but he doesn't hear it from the oracle. Someone else tells him, Annabeth knows the prophecy. She tells him generally what it's about. He doesn't hear like the four lines. He doesn't know the full prophecy, just the implications of it. And so it's like this weird, like he knows that there's a prophecy. They refuse to tell him because they don't want him to think to become a self-fulfilling prophecy because they said in the past when heroes have heard things they've tried to stop it and by trying to stop it from happening they made it happen inadvertently so they were trying to Which stop very, from doing that <laughs> yeah it's a very common mm-hmm. thread when you, whenever you have prophecies in a story that, that's what happens so they were they they basically shielded the prophecy from percy at all costs but that's why i was shocked in the movie when they just were like oh here's the prophecy percy <laughs> like they tried so hard in the books. Like, he forced Annabeth to tell. He forced her in the books. So, it was just... And she was like, Chiron's gonna kill me. Like, I promise on the river sticks. I, like, all this stuff. So, the fact that they just let it out in the movie was... I kind of wish they wouldn't have had the Oracle at all if that's how they were gonna use her. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't read the book, so I don't know. It didn't bother me that much. I just thought the timing was weird. Yeah. And... I thought it was weird because he literally has already saved Olympus. So why, yeah. why couldn't they just be like, well, prophecy fulfilled. We're good. You know? <laughs> yeah. I understand. So, it, it, the weight of the prophecy was not uh, realized. It was not realistic yeah. because he had already saved Olympus. Yeah. And how old was this prophecy? Because Zeus and Hades and Poseidon could have as many, like, they're mythological creatures. They've been around for, you know, eons, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, before time was time, they were alive and killing their father. So literally <laughs> like they could have kids at any time, yeah. you know, and they, and they could be to 20. So like the fact that they put the weight on, it has to be you. And then like, well, you have a brother. No, 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 that doesn't count. And it's like, well, they could have other kids. No, no, no. Don't pay attention to that. You know, like it was just like, there was no high stakes for the prophecy. Yeah. Because all of the stakes could have been explained away very easily. You know? I, and I and actually just remembered crazy. something. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I thought you were done. Go on. No, you're good. I remembered something. They stopped having kids after World War II. I remember. Apparently, according in the Percy Jackson world, World War II had so much damage because a lot of half 
bloods were at the head of armies for World War II and the head of countries because demigods are like of the big three are more powerful than other demigods because they're half the most powerful gods. So after World War II, they're like, there's too much destruction. We can never have half human children again because it just does too much. So Percy is the first, well, Talia technically was the first one since World War II that they knew of. Percy's the second, but she was like dead. So that's why they say the prophecy has to be about him because there's like literally like how, who else is going to risk World War II, you know? So I remember that now. Okay. That's what happened. (laughs) So that's why they're kind of putting it on Percy. Not that they say that in the movie, but. No, like, because they're just like, it has to be you. And it's like, why does it have to be him? Yeah. And the fact that Talia is literally the same age as he is because she's the same age as Annabeth and Luke. Mm -hmm. So like, she's the same age as him. Like, they were having kids at the same time, you know. Like, yeah, they they all broke their rules. But yeah, if you read mythology, That's it's not me. that out of character for them to do that. <laughs> well, it's not out of character. Like Poseidon and Hades were not; they didn't have kids. Um, well, Poseidon had kids, but he had like a wife. He wasn't sleeping around. Zeus slept yeah. around a lot. Oh yeah, <laughs> so, oh yeah, Zeus and Aphrodite. Yeah, in a- in actual mythology, like uh, the majority of the gods are children of Zeus, like with other yeah. gods, like so. Yeah. The but yeah, Hades and Poseidon don't aren't promiscuous. Well, I don't think Hades has a child. Actually, I don't think he ever has a child. But <laughs> and the way Athena has him. kids is different too. I think in the book they explain that it's not she she still stays like kind of a virgin god, but like because she sprouted from Zeus's head, her children sprout from her thoughts or something like that. They men- they just kind of make a fleeting mention of it. So I just want to make sure that we understand Athena does not sleep around even in this universe of Greek mythology. <laughs> she <laughs> yeah. she like makes an intellectual connection with a mortal and then from her thoughts spring a child yeah so, with, imagine really well, that on that because, <laughs> so, she, yeah <laughs> yeah you can imagine like the, the birds and the bees talk with your children when <laughs> you're, you're Athena's kid yeah well because Athena is um like basically the anti-Aphrodite. <laughs> like yeah. Aphrodite is like the goddess of love and fertility, you know, and so she has um in this, in this, she has a lot of children. Yeah. In actuality, she really doesn't have children. She's not maternal type. She's just the sleep around type. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's different. But she, but basically it's like the epitome of womanhood is like you know, uh, sexuality to Aphrodite's, where the epitome of womanhood is virginity to Athena and Artemis. You know, so, right? and, and Artemis, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like they they all they're all at odds <laughs> with what the definition is of like what makes you more feminine. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, that was a tangent. Sorry. Yeah, I just, want, I just um, wanted people to know Athena is not a, a hussy or anything. Not yeah. that I think any of the gods really are because like they're alive for eons and all that stuff, but just so they know. 
Okay. So back, back to the notes. Um, my next one is they, so, I mean, they're walking around with satyrs. I'm so sorry. I forgot to ask you the question. Oh, go ahead. I thought it was only Zeus that didn't get eaten by Kronos. In the movie, they said it was Zeus, Hades, and Poseidon who all three defeated Kronos. I thought it all was of them got eaten by all of them got eaten by Kronos. Zeus um, cut him open from the inside. Okay, so the movie—I knew the movie was wrong. Yeah, <laughs> the movie was they all, like, wrong. At, at different points in time, he eats all of his children. Um, but then they kill that they kill him from the inside. Uh, Zeus has I think it's Zeus has a plan yeah to like get eaten and like so that he yes. can cut out because originally like, it's wrong. Every, <laughs> yeah, and like every mythology, there's like a child that cuts themselves out of their parents. <laughs> like um, yeah, so it just depends on the mythology. But I'm pretty sure Cronus eats all of his children, and then Zeus like um like gets him to eat him so that he can yeah. kill him from the inside. Okay, so. so that was my that was my kind of question. So the the, the movie does I get the mythology that wrong. They explain, I was ex- I was happy that they finally explained why they keep calling them the big three and why they keep talking about how there's only three. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. you realize that they had other siblings, right? But in yeah. this one they explained the way that Kronos ate them and that's why there's only three. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I I'll, I'll accept that, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you create your own. That's fine. But I was like, <laughs> why are they not like talking about the other people that are the other siblings? But anyway, um. So yeah, so the Cyclops Tyson. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's like, weirded out by him. Yeah, and it never really explains why. Nope. And then, like later in the movie, it's it kind of shows like Annabeth is very anti being around a Cyclops, talking about a Cyclops anything to do with the cyclops and she mm-hmm. repeats that but she never actually explains why and they never actually like talk about like the nature of cyclops they never talk like all you know is that like when a god and a nymph uh have a child it's cyclops and it's like well nymphs are supposed to be like beautiful and wonderful and like <laughs> and then i kept thinking like he's not going to be poseidon's son because he's basically the same age as percy and Poseidon was in love with Percy's mom. Yeah. So, but no, he just slept with the wood or with the water nymph. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Know? And again, and the, it never, yeah. and it and never the, explains like why Poseidon brought him there. Like, it, it, you kind of can allude to the fact like Percy was say, saying basically that he was feeling alone and he was feeling like he wasn't good enough. So Poseidon brought Tyson to him. But mm-hmm. then, like, I kept thinking, like, they're going to say that he's not Poseidon's son. And Poseidon just led him there to be friends with Percy so that he would have, like, someone to, like, look up to him or something. Yeah. But, no, it's, he's just, he's Poseidon's son. And <laughs> they're just brothers. And Poseidon just, you know, was with Percy's mom and then slept with the water nymph, whatever. You know, yeah. like, it doesn't, it doesn't I- explain it. Yeah, at least in the book, they they let you know that he's a lot younger than Percy, even though he's huge. He's huge because he's a Cyclops. So at eight years old, he's already that big. He's going to get bigger as time goes on, of course. So he's like seven, maybe eight years old is their guesstimation. And he acts Mm -hmm. like it. In the movie, he didn't really. And I understand why 
they didn't do that. But in the book, he very, very much acts like a six or seven year old. Like he throws, t- he he cries and he gets his feelings hurt and he doesn't throw tantrums, but he like sits down and like, if he gets hurt, he's sad and he, he talks. Pouts. Yeah. He pouts and he talks like a very, very young person. Like he sees horses, he goes ponies and like gets excited so the book makes it very clear, even though at the beginning you think he's kind of, he, you think he's just a, he talked that way because he was homeless. But then in the book, they're like, not only was he homeless, he is also only like seven or eight at the most. And they make it very clear that age difference. So at least in the book, they, they let it be known that there was time between Percy and, and Tyson, you know, he could have, Poseidon couldn't be with the human. So he moved on and, got a got a new bow <laughs> I just yeah it just wasn't explained why the cyclopses were bad yeah and like because it, it talks about um the cyclops that um Odysseus on his quest fought yeah. and then they supposedly meet that that cyclops in Probably this movie and yeah. yeah and he eats people and stuff and he's yeah. you know bad guy but it doesn't explain anything else. And it also doesn't explain why Tyson is not a giant yet. <laughs> the one that fight is a giant and that he yeah. eats people. And why does Tyson eat people? <laughs> like, yeah. It doesn't really explain anything about them other than her repeating over and over. They're dangerous and vicious. That, yeah. That's it. That's all we get. They're dangerous and vicious. And it's like, clearly he's not dangerous nor vicious. Like, yeah. He, he's clumsy. <laughs> Yeah, and his lines are his lines are kind of lame because like he has like a bad bull and you know yeah like, really really lame lines and I think they were trying to make him young or dumb or something but it didn't come across like, as well very well that way honestly I just kind of felt like they had the opportunity to do like the brother thing like I never called him brother I thought that was really good. Mm-hmm. My only issue was that both Percy and Tyson didn't have a whole lot of personality. They didn't have a whole lot of anything. They almost got that. Like, I almost wish that Tyson had been like an agent for Luke or something. And so, like, all of the accidents of all of like was was on purpose. But he was sorry or something. You know, like something. Yeah. <laughs> but no, he, he was just clumsy. That was just who he was. Whatever. Yeah. And. And then when he, we'll get to it when we get to the end, but it just kind of. I understand. His, yeah, his character could have been a lot more developed to have more of a personality, to have more of a character arc. Yeah. He does help Percy have a character arc towards the end, but he himself does not have anything. He, no. He no, unfortunately um, not. I feel like they were scared of going too babyish with him. Like he is kind of in the books um at least in this book I mean because obviously they get older but I I feel like they were scared of going too baby with him but then they decided to go like partial because he's not dumb he's literally seven years old you know and it's so but in this movie they just kind of went for oh he's just a little slow or a little dumb or something but like not all the way it just yeah, it like, like they couldn't decide what to do with him but they knew he had to be there yeah um, my next note is when they leave camp and uh, Grover agrees to go with them, even though 
every satyr that goes after the fleece dies. Um, and which he's like, which way? Yeah. use your nose. Which way? Use your nose. And he's like, sniffs the air and is like, south of Florida, this way. And I'm just like, <laughs> wait, what? So wrong. <laughs> Why so did you need the map in the first movie? If you could just smell things like that. Like, it was, that was weird. It's so wrong. Yeah, it's so different. Again, it's so different in the book. In the book, again, Grover's not there, but they know that the Bermuda Triangle is a, is a sea of monsters. Like, it's a well-known fact in the half-blood Olympus world that, oh, yeah, the sea of monsters, the Bermuda Triangle, because, like, that's where all the weird stuff happens. <laughs> well, and they say that. Like, yeah. they know it's in the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, it's just like which way to Florida? It's like that way. I can smell it. Like you can smell Florida. Like what? Like why was that? That line. That line should have not made it into the the final edit. Is all it shouldn't have made into the draft. It shouldn't have been written. Never. Like who smells Florida (laughs) from New York? Like um. Also, I really wanted to point out really really quickly um. A satyr, no satyrs go on the quest with Clarice in the book. Clarice goes by herself. No one goes with her. So that's good because he gets eaten. So yeah, that doesn't happen in the book. No, no satyrs were eaten in in this book <laughs> during the course and of this. Book. Sad about it. Like, no, oh, your friend, we're, oh, he's dead. What do you think he is? Like, nobody cares. <laughs> that was a person who was a camera that you knew, and they're dead now. Yeah. React. <laughs> it was one of and then, yeah, like, it was so sad. I hated that. Yeah, I that was that was the the reaction to death is inconsistent. We'll just <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Um my next one is the mist that she is she's like so offended by the cyclops. And then she's like, if we're gonna be traveling with you, then we need to like spray your face so that um that's we don't, so you know, wrong. so that we don't get recognized or whatever. So Everything sprays, about that is so wrong. <laughs> she sprays his face with this perfume that is the mist, like what you talked about before, but now it's a bottled perfume that you spray on your face. And why, why did she do it when they were in the middle of the woods by themselves and not, because she's like, you're going to have to reapply it. And it's like, if you have to reapply it, that means it goes away. Like, why would mm. you do that when you're not around people <laughs> like yeah you're just wasting the time so yeah. that was so stupid like I know that they did it because they didn't want to have to do special effects for that long because yeah and they could have kept him with the sunglasses the entire time but it didn't yeah. make sense story like it makes sense budget wise but it didn't make sense story wise why she so here's him the right thing they could have taken the time with the spray because the sprayable mist is not a thing in the books. It's only in the movies. The mist is kind of like this magical force that when humans see something that is very clearly Olympian or like magic, the mist kind of comes over like their eyes and they see something normal. So for example, in the first book, Percy has a fight with Ares. It's not in the movie, but it's in the book. And they're using swords, bronze, like like shields and everything like uh, like the Greeks what when people are watching they see Percy and the spiker guy having a shootout with guns like the mist like just shifts your perspective or your perception of what's happening so the mist would just when humans looked at Tyson they would see two eyes they like they wouldn't really see a cyclops they would see that he's big obviously 
and um he's he has crooked teeth in the book they would see that but like they wouldn't really notice that he's a cyclops yeah and like, be that he's just a really big teenager or something so they could have taken what, whatever time with that and just been like don't worry the humans won't be able to tell who or what you are because of the mist the mystical energy force in the world instead they did well, rayable mist the the issue is is the satyr like grover went to high school well yeah. elementary school in the book but yeah grover went to school <laughs> with them yeah. And he wore pants to cover up his legs mm-hmm. and shoes to cover up his whole hooves. Yeah. And so he was like, he used physical objects, not the mist. The mist and- will only do so much. Like someone might notice his legs and hooves, especially other monsters. So the mist will, I don't know. I'm, I feel like I'm, like, I'm really, I'm, really bad. I know. But yeah, it's, no, I'm not talking about the books. I'm talking oh, about well, the movies. Like, yeah, in the movie, it's very inconsistent how they hide from people. Like, oh, okay. because so, like, with his um, dyslexia, he can read the Greek. Well, then it also like the UPS store is the OPS store, you know, <laughs> and it like changes logo, and so it's like we get the sense that this is what normal people see. This is what Percy sees. Yeah. And like, but then with Grover's legs and the mist being a perfume, it doesn't make sense that like, yeah, you know, like it's an, it's an inconsistency in the storytelling of how they keep their, their world hidden. Like anytime you do a low fantasy story, which is a story that's, um, in our world that has another fantasy world attached to it like Harry Potter or Chronicles of Narnia you know like they have worlds attached to ours where they stay hidden from our world yeah you have to have a consistent way of this is how we keep it secret and yeah. they they were very inconsistent so it doesn't yeah. really make sense that they are not <laughs> just everybody just knows you know yeah it was it's it's more consistent in the books and i know i'm explaining it really badly makes it sound like it's not consistent they explain it great but in the movies it definitely i really hated the spurable mist i thought that was a stupid stupid thing to do yeah i feel like they, they needed a way to make him not a cyclops so that they didn't have to um yeah. use the cgi on his face I mean, they <laughs> as much and so they're just they- like Hey, we could just do the mist and we'll just yeah. bring that in because we didn't do it in the first one. So we'll just yeah. bring it into this one. You know, like how was, I would have changed it. What I feel like the missed opportunity was was to explain as soon as we reach across the barrier, the mist comes into effect. And they could just say that. Right. And, and they could like we could walk through the barrier and they would be like, Hey, you look like it. Which if that would have been inconsistent too, because it wouldn't have worked on them, it would have worked on on yeah. demigods. So. Yeah. Well, the mist doesn't really, it can have effects on demigods, but it not, but they can see through the mist. Humans have a hard time seeing through the mist, if I remember yeah. correctly. So it's, it could be like, if we squint, we can tell you have like one eye, but when we're just kind of glancing at you, you look normal and, and, and if that makes sense. But if we concentrate, we can tell, because that's actually how it does happen in the book. Percy doesn't know Tyson's a cyclops until he really squints his eyes and concentrates and then he's and but then from then on he sees Tyson as he really is so it's well, kind and of- also 
there's a story that Tyson tells about how Boy Scouts found him when he was living in the woods and they, and they screamed, screamed and ran away. Which was, is, yeah. Not, not, not yeah. accurate. So, <laughs> so we would just take that part out. Yeah. <laughs> because they're trying to convey that he's lived his life, you know, feeling like an outsider because he's a monster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then they never go anywhere with it. So there's no point in him feeling that way. I just, yeah. Anyway. So they did turn, Um, the missed opportunity was the character arc, any character arc with Tyson and deciding whether they wanted him to be a seven-year-old Cyclops. And that's why he's not a giant yet because he's only seven. Or if they wanted him to be close to Percy's age and then therefore be be bigger. Like they just were so inconsistent about everything with Tyson that was the missed opportunity was choosing a direction sticking to it and and going full steam ahead with it I agree um so they go to they get the cab and the cab is driven by the fates the they don't have enough drachma drachmas Drachmas. sorry that's not what they're called so I don't remember (laughs) it but anyway they don't have enough money so they kick them out of the cab like in DC or somewhere. Yeah. And, and they go to the very first place they find, which just happens to be, you know, where Hermes is. Yeah. And it's Nathan Fillion who just, that just makes me happy. (laughs) (laughs) He's fantastic. And he does a really good job in this movie. I really liked his part. Like that whole scene. I was just loved it. And then they make a firefly joke and I just just make me happy on the inside. Uh, he's like, he's like, yes, there was a wonderful TV show about it, and like, and like, and of course, it was canceled. <laughs> I was like, yeah. wonderful. No one's um, ever gonna like put Nathan Philly in anything and not have some sort of Firefly reference. They referenced it in Castle, <laughs> a lot. They referenced it in Castle. Yeah. Like he, 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 and I think it's. I don't think he minds. I think it's actually quite brilliant and wonderful that things he's in, they'll always reference it as just kind of like. Who who what was the TV station that canceled it? Because they'll never live it down. Fox, Fox. Fox will never. No one will let Fox live it down. No, <laughs> and that's. I mean, and that's the running joke because people like get introduced to Firefly. It was on Netflix, and a ton of people were introduced to it. Then it came out on DVD. Like every like, like it's been canceled for almost like what twenty years now. Yeah. <laughs> like it's been a long time. Um. Because it was 13 years a few years ago, so probably not quite 20 years, but a very long time ago. And, but the problem is, is like now with the way that streaming and media is, like so many people get introduced to stuff long after it's been canceled. And then everybody, the uproar starts again because people are like, wait, it was canceled? There's only one season? Anyway. (laughs) And a movie. And a movie. And a movie, yeah. They started over, like, every generation is just going to have a Nathan Fillion Firefly joke because it's <laughs> never going to go away because no. every generation that gets uh, inducted into the fandom is going to have an uproar. So, yep. Anyway. So, I, yeah, no, I also absolutely adored him as Hermes. I thought it was brilliant casting. I did like the scene, not in the book, but I liked it nonetheless. I was okay with it. This is one of the things that they kind of took where I was talking, like they take certain events, like we do meet Hermes in the book, but they take it out of order. Um, 
Hermes is actually the one that comes and is like, hey, Percy, you and your friends are going to go on the quest after Clarice. And like he he packs for them. He like he tells him, please, you know, go. he tells him the same thing. They did take some lines from the book. You don't I one thing I've learned after all these years, you don't give up on family. Please tell Luke all this stuff like that was straight. The conversation from the book. Um, it just happens a lot earlier in the book, like before they go on the quest and they get on the boat. That's the beginning of their quest is Hermes sending them off and like they get on, they take the hippocampus to the boat. So they just did it later in the movie. Um, but I really, yeah, I'm, I'm all for Nathan. I think people actually wanted a third movie if Nathan Fillion was going to be in it, if I remember correctly, <laughs> but they didn't make one. <laughs> yeah. I, I liked it. I thought he was hilarious. And that scene was just, it was very well done because Nathan Fillion is so cocky (laughs) and ridiculous. (laughs) And it just, it plays off really well. I really liked his um, uh, conversation, not conversation, like his little bit with Annabeth where he like hands it to, hands her the thermos and then is like, (laughs) not in here not in here and then he gives her the tape and he's like not here <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and he like looks back at her to make sure <laughs> yeah like he doesn't trust her and I thought that was funny um yeah yeah so that was just good and my next note is not until we are on Luke's boat my note so Grover's kidnapped by then yes by Luke, yeah. how did Luke know they were in D.C.? How does Luke know anything? He was just—he just. He just <laughs> I don't know. He's got—he's got a whole horde of half-bloods working for him. One of them is probably a seer and was just twirled a crystal ball. I don't know. But I feel like, I he, like he shows up where he needs to show up a lot, yeah. and not just in this yeah. movie, but like in other mo- like in the first movie too. So yeah. I feel like that's just part of his character. Maybe that's the Hermes. <laughs> than him like because Hermes <laughs> is the messenger of the gods he right so he can people. find him yeah yeah that makes sense for the movies in the book is completely different Hermes sends them tells Percy to get on that boat he does not tell them Luke is there but when they get on the boat they're like oh my gosh Hermes told us to get on this boat because Luke is here so like there's explanations in the book also in the book it's a cruise ship not a yacht and they took over the entire cruise ship so there's like humans walking around under spells and they're like they'll walk by and they'll be like we are having so much fun yes let's go play in the pool this is the best cruise ever like they're like (laughs) under spells and so are the the, but they have like all the, the security and the crew of the cruise ship under the spell, so they run everything still. So they can literally just like lounge around with the monsters mm-hmm. and and all that stuff and be and and be fine. So, but I wasn't mad with the change of the cruise ship to a yacht because again, budget and like you you don't have to have so many extras. And it in the movie it made sense for it to be a yacht with everything going on. So I wasn't mad about that. I just wanted to point out that that's a difference. But yeah, that's my that was my note was how did Luke know they were in DC? And then on the yacht, I thought yachts didn't have brigs, yet magically they either built or found a yacht that had like a full on brig in, in mean, it. 
technically it's not a brig it's a cargo compartment but okay they rigged it to be that because that's uh, because um ships move <laughs> on the water obviously they rock back and forth and so having ties and having like maybe not like to that extreme of cages but they will have like cage type things where like you can lock stuff like lockers and things that you can you can put um cargo in that's Mm -hmm. not gonna rock but you know if it rocks back and forth it's gonna stay in in the little cage thing so i didn't understand because he's like i told you he had a brig you know like they were trying to make it like but they didn't set that joke up did they like i missed it they did they did. So Percy was like, he, if he finds us, he's going to throw us in a brig. And Annabeth is like, don't be stupid. Yachts don't have brigs. And then yeah. Luke finds them. And, th- and again, this entire interaction does not happen in the books. It, they yeah. don't get thrown in a brig in the books on a cruise ship. I'm sure cruise ships have brigs just in case people are stupid. But like in the book, the 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 because it's the beginning of the quest, it's a lot. it goes a lot different than like where it is in the movie um they escape of course and all this stuff so i was a little upset about a lot of the interaction between luke and percy and them throughout this whole section i mm, okay so luke (laughs) let's talk about luke for a second yes let's talk his character arc so in the first movie he he steals the lightning bolt just to kind of get back at Zeus. Then he gets the bright idea to give it to Hades so that Hades will attack Zeus and Olympus because Hades is always mad because he was uh, banished to the underworld. And yeah. so he's like, let's give Hades Zeus's bolt. And so that way he will wage war on Olympus and then Olympus will, you know, go up in flames. That was his goal in the first movie. Because he didn't believe that the the gods were good to their children because he was just kind of mad at the world. And so he just kind of put the planes in motion. Like he wasn't, he wasn't masterminding anything really. Mm -hmm. He was just kind of doing it out of convenience because he wanted it, you know, like that's a good idea. We should get the gods to fight each other. In this one, his character arc is... His father, who he's never met, he hates him. So he's going to bring back a titan that eats its own children and is the, like, uh, devil, basically. And (laughs) so that he can get back at his father so that he can take over using this being who is ridiculously so powerful that the highest gods of Olympus had to use all of their strategy and strength to defeat him thousands of years ago. And he's doing all of this because he's mad at his dad, who in this movie is trying to reach out to him and make amends. Yeah. In the movie, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, like, yeah just get over it like what (laughs) go talk to your dad he works at the ups store just go talk to him (laughs) if they had done the first movie with the correct plot the second movie would make more sense however they decided not to do the first movie with the correct plot they changed everything in the first movie from they kept the name percy jackson but did they because (laughs) 
It's Percy Jackson and the Olympians, colon, the the light thief. But this one is just Percy Jackson, Sea of Monsters. Sea of Monsters. Yeah. See, the first one, they kept the full title, but, like, they changed the plot. And then this one, they changed the title, but kept... They kept more of the plot. Again, they still changed a lot, but they kept more of the plot from in this one. But it really doesn't make sense without a lot of exposition that happened in the first book. And I'm kind of glad they didn't... On one hand, I'm glad they didn't take the time to do it in this, in this movie. But at the same time, they added some sequences that should have been cut. It, because it will not should have. If they wanted to stay close to the books, they should have cut and spent time... What they should have done is just the missed opportunity was to make the first movie correctly. <laughs> that way yeah. you don't have to spend the second movie correcting Figure. things. Right. I feel like, okay, there is a, I know there's like another series out there or something where, oh, it's Harry Potter. After like four, like five, six, and seven and seven part two, they, ca- they have to go back and kind of fix some things Mm-hmm. After because like for the movie was didn't cover everything right like they left they left some stuff out that was important later on and I kind of felt like they did they they were doing that again in this movie but they didn't do as good a job in terms of I mean well, I get it yeah. Harry Potter had three four movies to do it this one didn't but like I feel like the things that they decided to do weren't as important to the plot as other things such as explaining why luke was bringing back chronos which is explained in the first book with a lot of exposition and detail they kind of just throw it out there like hey that first plan of sailing the bolt didn't work let's try this and it doesn't make sense it's not a a, a what's natural leap for someone to do just because they're having a spat with their dad you know yeah like he goes full-on big bad guy yeah but then but then he's not he's actually very likable and when i love the part when he's like what are you doing get off my roof like (laughs) i like that it's just like you guys we're like teenagers like why are you on my roof you're acting like you're about to die and like jumping into water and i'm just like why are you on my roof like it was funny I thought yeah. it was, I, and I liked, like, honestly, I like his character. I just wish he yeah. had motivation that made sense. Yeah. Oh, well, can 100% um, agree. That's why I wish they had done the first movie correctly. Or in the second movie, sacrifice some things that weren't important or weren't in the book to explain more behind what was going on. Because the Kronos timeline thing is the, he that is the overarching big story of the Percy Jackson series is Kronos is this ultimate bad guy. Think like Voldemort in Harry Potter. Each book has a plot and a bad guy to defeat and, and things to do but the overarching thing is Voldemort. Kronos is that in Percy Jackson. And so it starts in book one and they didn't, from what I remember of the first movie, they didn't mention him. So I wish they had that because it wouldn't, it would, it would make it would so make much more sense. Yeah. yeah. They just mentioned that his that the type that the Olympians became gods uh, took over from the Titans because they took uh, they killed their father Kronos or defeated their father Kronos. It literally yeah. only mentions it once on his school field trip. Um, yeah. But yeah, so we're on Luke's boat, and there's the what is up with the lighting in this movie? Like <laughs> the scenes are way too dark, 
And then yeah. the lighting on the boat is like you're inside the boat, but there's reflections off of water all around the room. And that's not how water works. <laughs> and so it's just like these projections of like water sprinkles that kind of make you dizzy. And then it's dark and that like when um, Percy is making the boat move so that they can get their backpack so they can get out of the prison, the brig, mm-hmm. it's dark. And then as soon as they get out of the prison, it's daytime and sunny. And so like this, there the metaphor there was so, many, <laughs> there was so much inconsistency in the lighting in that scene from day to night, from on the boat to outside of the boat to inside the boat. Like that was, that was frustrating for me. Cause I was like the characters in this point, I liked how they had the scorpion tail hanging out in the background. I liked how they, you know, did a lot of a lot of the stuff in that scene was was perfectly fine i had no issue with it i took issue with the fact that i was like are they is does he have a glass floor why is there water reflecting on the ceiling like there's no water in there and then there's just like randomly like blue lights from the floor shooting up on his boat and i was just like what is this like some i don't what (laughs) i didn't yeah i didn't like the lighting on the boat and it didn't make sense that it went from day to night so whoever came up with that sequence of events and the lighting in there needed to rethink that (laughs) i didn't like that it's dark when you're in prison but as soon as you have freedom it's light but not literally. <laughs> it shows the outside of the boat. Like it could have been dark on the inside, but it shows the outside of the boat. I'm and just, then when we go outside, it's daytime. Yeah. No, I'm I, I, I'm glad you noticed more technical stuff like that because I was busy writing stuff about like the interaction <laughs> and like the differences and stuff. It just happened so differently in the book. Um, and I just finished reading the book last night for like maybe the second or third time so my one of my biggest notes probably my biggest note from the whole interaction when they're escaping Luke's yacht because of course they escape they get away and Percy brings up this water thing and is like surfing on it to catch up with Tyson and Annabeth who are on a lifeboat Mm -hmm. and Luke follows him onto the water thing and doesn't immediately sink or fall Percy can do that only because he's the son of Poseidon. Only a demigod, son of Poseidon, can manipulate and stand on water, do any, basically anything with the ocean, in the ocean. And Luke just stands on it and walks on it. And I'm like, what are you, you're son of Hermes. You fly. This isn't in the book, but if you're going to do this scene, have him fly. Like, use those little flying shoes or something. Like, why is he walking on water? That's not his thing. He can't do that. Yeah. The water doesn't won't hold him up. The water will drop him. Because the reason the water is helping per- Percy is because he's Poseidon's son. Poseidon's not going to like let a threat to Percy also float on the water while he's escaping him. Yeah, that didn't... So, so Percy hops on this wave, Luke hops yeah. on it, and then another guy tries to hop on it, and the other guy falls. Yeah. And so it, it's like... Okay, clearly the reason why Luke could be on there is because he's the son of Hermes and he is, you know, light footed or whatever. But it's like, no, because literally in the first movie, you had to have the flying sneakers. Yeah. So 
no, th- th- that don't make sense. You're not Legolas. <laughs> like, you can't just <laughs> walk on top of the snow. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm with you. I, 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 my brain went to, okay, it's got to be, like, maybe he's wearing the shoes and he's actually just flying on the water. Or, or Percy is not, like... Um, manipulating the water like properly and he's actually just making the water really dense to where Luke could stand on it however the other guy falls so that doesn't make sense so no matter how you look at it it's inconsistent (laughs) 100% it made me so so mad because I was just like what are you doing like that's not your power stick in your lane you have your powers he has his like well Emery yeah, he should have flown with his shoes and had the same dialogue, and then Percy hit him yeah. with a wave. You know, like yeah. that's what should have happened. It it wouldn't have been any harder, like CGI budget wise, to yeah. have him fly than to have him stand on. You know, like yeah, he was still in the harness. <laughs> you know, he was just walking with the harness on, and of, he could yeah. have done that. He could have like had his shoes flap in the wind and then he like steps on the water you know and then his uh shoe flies him up and he steps on the water and shoe flies him up like he could have done they, they could have done the exact same effect but if he had had the shoes on it would have made sense yeah you know i i absolutely agree i really that was my biggest no honestly was that that and i wish so in the book there is a there they did do the thing while luke was there and then they have like annabeth and, and percy and Tyson and Annabeth and Luke have an exchange and I really like their exchange in the book. I really wish they kept it in the movie because it would give us some of that character depth that we're looking for, particularly for Annabeth. (laughs) Um, And it didn't have it in the movie and it disappointed me because I thought, oh, like, okay, here it comes. Like, this is such a great exchange. We're going to see their relationship and how her Annabeth is and like all this stuff. Basically, Luke tries to convince Annabeth to come over to their side because he really, like, he and Annabeth have been through a lot. They traveled across the whole U.S. together, basically, like, fighting off monsters and living off the streets and stuff with Talia um, before Grover found them and told them, you have to come to camp and everything. So they have a really tight bond, right? Kind of like Percy and Annabeth have at this point because they saved each other's lives, all this stuff. And so him turning evil really, really hurt her. And he really, really wants her on his side because she's like the best strategist and because like they have a, they're good friends and all this stuff. And so they have this wonderful exchange and I was so sad. That was a missed opportunity of all the elements from the book they decided to throw in. I was sad they didn't throw that in, but they took the time to have Luke water surf with Percy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> which is just, you didn't need it. That conversation didn't need to happen. They already had that exchange on the boat. They didn't need to further it. I, it made the scene go on too long, in my opinion, anyway. So I wouldn't have had the missed opportunity was not having that happen at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. that they both needed character. Like, it, because they have the moment of it shows that they were there with Talia. It has the moment of don't lecture me about Talia. Like, yeah, that's it. like yeah. they could have gone so deep with that and it would have been better. And the actors are capable of doing that. Like 100%. Oh just, yeah. Like just give them some dialogue to do that. And they could have pulled it off in a very short amount of time. Like yes. you could have taken the brig part out. You could have taken the, you know, 
nighttime part out any of the fight scenes that were in that you know like there's a lot they could have taken out and and put that yeah. in or even just left it in like this wasn't a super long movie like they could have just put it in and not had to cut yeah. anything <laughs> and that surprised so, me the length of the movie i was thinking it would be at minimum two hours maybe two hour five minutes and well the in the first was- one yeah, that's why I thought the second one must be because I remember that the second one had more elements from the book. But no, they just kind of they did have more elements from the book. But that's not hard to do when you take nothing from the book. <laughs> like, yeah. So that's not hard to do from the first movie. But yeah, I the missed opportunity, honestly, was they gave up character development and character arcs and, and introducing everything character for adding in stuff that wasn't even in the book and that the movie would be fine without, or just adding length to the movie and having both. And yeah. they just, they, they sacrificed char- their characters in this movie. Yeah. For anyway, no reason. It's a movie. <laughs> so um, we go, they go on the lifeboats. They find, oh, I forgot what the sea monster's name is, but they go Charibden, to the sea monster. Charibden. Something like that. Yeah. And um, and it's this whirlpool with teeth. And yeah. they get sucked in. And while they're down there in the stomach of this monster, they find Clarice. And she's mm-hmm. on a ship of zombies. Mm-hmm. And, and it's also a submarine. And so Percy comes up with a plan to shoot. Instead of shooting the really gross and appropriate looking meat crusher <laughs> part of the body. Thank um, you. I, I thought it was the only one who was like, that doesn't look right. <laughs> that for a child's movie. That just, yeah, that was gross. <laughs> I was just like, stop showing it. Like, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they shoot out the side of the monster and they take the ship out the side of the monster and they float up to the top. Yes. Because that's how ships work. Um, <laughs> well, when you have... But they already established his power does not work in the Sea of Monsters, which is correct. It's not in Poseidon's realm, so his powers don't work there. But, yeah, ag- again, all of this okay. does not happen I, in the book. So the I movie takes to, liberties. <laughs> I have to address that. Okay. Yeah. So Poseidon is the god of the sea. He's not yeah. the god of water. So the lake that is at camp, Poseidon doesn't have jurisdiction there either. <laughs> because when I was watching the movie at the beginning and he's talking to the lake or whatever, and I was like, um, Poseidon's not the god of lakes. He's the god of the seas. Yeah. And like lakes have their own god. Like each lake has their own god, basically. These mm-hmm. little lake kind of nymphs basically um and so i was like well maybe in this movie he's just the god of all water and then like she literally says that's not in his jurisdiction and i was like pick a feet pick a side guys (laughs) (laughs) he's the god of all water or he's just the god of the sea (laughs) what yeah in the book it's much more consistent again the books were more Rick Riordan actually, you know, built a world and stuck to his rules, at least from what I could tell with the first two book, two books, rereading them. But yeah, I thought that was I yeah, like that the references powers wouldn't work there because that is in the book. Like, hey, he does his powers don't have jurisdiction to the sea of monsters, the monsters 
have power here. That is in the book. But it was definitely weird. Like, but the pool gives him water healing and like all this other stuff. And yeah, and the book is mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. And it's in the book, I think it's the nymph's answer to Poseidon. So like he can heal and stuff, but when he's in the sea, he's at his full strength. A pool Mm -hmm. might help him heal or might help him feel a bit better, but it won't like he he won't have full strength unless he's in the ocean where Poseidon reigns, if that makes kind of sense. Kind of. Or like oh, a stream. I mean, not, not, not a pool, but like a lake or a river <laughs> that has a nymph that answers to Poseidon. Poseidon might be ticked if Percy's like, hey, help heal me. And they're like, no. Yeah. And Poseidon is going to be like, why didn't you heal Masa? Right. And what, well, and that's why I didn't have a well, big issue like with that. it. Yeah, that's why I didn't really have a big issue with it in the first movie when it he heals from the freshwater stream um yeah i didn't have a huge problem with it because i was like oh well i mean water you know water just heals him and he just it wasn't necessarily that it was poseidon's domain it was just water in general has a connection with percy and that's yeah. kind of the theme that they're going with <laughs> but then yeah. but then when he's like talking to his dad through a lake yeah that didn't make sense <laughs> and then because his dad answers through a lake because like the water starts bubbling up and you know and then tyson shows up and so it's yeah. like the nymph sent the message to Poseidon. like is somebody like sitting there like scribbling down what percy says and then gives <laughs> it to his dad <laughs> but then in the first movie his dad can talk to him through his Wherever. head and so yeah. like couldn't he yeah. just talk to his dad and his thoughts? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Well, and yeah. He- in the books, he can talk to his dad wherever. It doesn't have to be water. It's not like Poseidon only can do godlike stuff in water. That's what he's the god of. But he can still talk he's to his son whenever, <laughs> wherever. It doesn't have to be. So I think I don't know if they were trying to be like he has to communicate with his dad at water, or if they just picked that spot and then created this yeah he like touches it and he's like yeah but anyway anyway and poseidon is the god of the sea earthquakes and horses he's not the god of water just just so everybody knows (laughs) he's not the god of water he's the god of the seas earthquakes and horses and And, um oh and percy can talk to horses in the books which is fantastic and and fish he can talk to fish and horses that's cool um, so anyway, yeah. back to the story. <laughs> They're on the boat with Clarice and her zombies. They go to the island yeah. that the Cyclops is on, and there was a theme park there apparently. Ooh, um, yeah, not in the book. This is where they come, kind of go off the rails from the book. They're like, "Yeah, it was nice having you along. <laughs> Bye now. Throw the book away." I didn't like this scene. I'll be honest. Um, so I don't. Yeah. Okay. So this they meet the Cyclops. Grover is yeah. there. He's he's basically blind. He dresses as a, a woman cyclops, which is that's an actual myth from mythology, you know. Um yeah. the blind cyclops. And so and the cyclops eat people and they eat sheep and they eat, you know, raw meat all the time. I hate that myth. Like that's like one of my least favorite. I don't like it. <laughs> so this the fact that the and it doesn't explain why the cyclops has the fleece. Like, no, they just say he. They just say he has it, and like that's the end of the story. And like they know he has it in the movie. 
In the book, yeah. they have no idea where the fleece is. They don't know who has it. They just know it's there in the sea of monsters. That's yeah. the most information they have. So the fact that like they knew and they never sent like a large, huge quest over there before kind of surprised me because satyrs have been dying for years over this fleece. And they think it's Pan, the nature god, because they arrived to this island. In the books, it's this gorgeous, gorgeous island. Like, oh, it's so beautiful, more beautiful than anything. The lord of nature, Pan, or Pan, yeah, Pan, has to be there. So they go, and it's actually the fleece, and then the cyclops eats them. And so satyrs have been dying for years, and they had no idea where the satyrs who looked for Pan went, why they died. It wasn't until Grover went on the quest and discovered that it was the fleece tricking them and some managed to dress up like a woman and fool the cyclops that does happen in the book um and that he figures out why all the satyrs have been dying so like in the movie world it doesn't make sense that they would know where the fleece is know that satyrs are dying and then still do nothing about it yeah it doesn't you know I'm yeah. <laughs> so in the book, at least they have no idea. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, 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 that's the reason. <laughs> but it's like, why? Why would you go to the? I, why are why are satyrs the only ones that are dying? You know, like if they know where it is, yeah. it didn't. It yeah. didn't really explain why satyrs were the ones dying. And is it like yeah. is it poisonous? Is there some cur- like <laughs> because? Like the um the cyclop even says that he's eaten people a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and so and then he says that the fleece used to bring in uh satyrs to him all the time and that's why he kept it. But it doesn't explain why. Why did why are satyrs the ones that want it? Like yeah. Why would you want a fleece? Yeah. Do you know what a fleece is? Like, do they know what that <laughs> is? <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't think they know what it is. But anyway, so they go, they fight the Cyclops. They trick him by going back and forth and, and whatever and basically playing keep away. Once again, Annabeth has to be saved. Um, and, Annoying. And does nothing. And then they get the fleece from him. And then Luke shows up because he does that. Yeah. Because he has he has the the GPS of um <laughs> of being Hermes' son, so he shows up. Everybody just kind of stands there, and yeah. then and then Luke takes about ten minutes to load a bolt into a bow, and then shoot it. And then of course Tyson jumps in front of him to save him. But there's still like six people with Luke that all have weapons. <laughs> yeah, and like, and it and it did. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay, I have notes. I have notes about the movie. Um, again, I have to iterate. This is not in the book at all. But I have notes about the movie. Um, going back a little bit, when they first come up from the monster with Clarice in the boat, and Percy like sees the graph lines on the ocean. Yes. And it's like, hey, I know what the 30, 31, 75, 12, 12 means. They get the coordinates wrong. He's like, he's like 30, 31 degrees, 75, 12 degrees. I'm like, no, it's 30 degrees, 31 minutes, 75 degrees, 12 minutes. 
The second Clean number degrees. is minutes. <laughs> Not to, how do you have 30, 31 degrees? Um, or 75, 12 degrees. It's 30 degrees, 31 minutes, 75 degrees, 12 minutes. Like that's, and, and I can't remember which direction comes first and which direction, but it's like 30 degrees, 31 but, minutes. And then like North, South, East, West, I can't remember what it is, but the fact that they like mess up the coordinates and it's literally written out in the book for them. Like they just had to go and like copy paste from the book. Well, I, I, here's the thing with that. They don't know how to um give coordinates in boat terms because because mm-hmm. minutes are boat terms you know that's yeah. that's how you find your way on a boat <laughs> yeah and so what they were doing it as is like latitude and longitude which is a precise yeah. point that has yeah. two numbers not not yes. not three numbers <laughs> not three not sets four. of numbers yeah not not sets of numbers it has two numbers it has your latitude which and your longitude which is the the line going across horizontal and your your longitude which is the line going up and down (laughs) and where where those two meet that's where you're going (laughs) that's yeah that's how you read a map not how you get anywhere by sea no 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 no. just so you all know (laughs) like so they treated it like it was longitude and latitude it was not it was literal directions of you're going to put your compass at this point you know 31 yeah you're going to go that way for so many minutes (laughs) you're going to turn to this coordinates and go this way for so you know like for so long and all that yeah just so you all know (laughs) but in the book in the book percy finds out that he has when he's on the ocean and not any other body of water says specifically the ocean, it basically makes it very clear that on the ocean, he's at the most powerful he's ever going to be right. When he's on the ocean, he always knows exactly where he is. He doesn't see like a graph or anything. He just has an innate, Oh, we are at this degree. And Annabeth is actually, he, he didn't know he could do that until he mentioned something. And Annabeth is like, wait, what say that again? Like where, where is that? And all that stuff. And he knows exactly how many knots they're going. Like he knows the speed of the boats. He knows just, he's nautical. He's a nautical sailing genius. He knows how to work a boat, even though he's never sailed in his life before. Um, So that's how it happens in the book. In the movie, they do like this graph line. And I feel like that's not a hard thing to do. I feel like the graph lines cost some special effects money. And they could have just been like given Percy a few lines. Hey, I happen to know like exactly where everything is when I'm on the ocean. Isn't that weird? Like that's all it could have take would have taken. It's lines yeah. instead of special effects. So I didn't like I didn't necessarily like the whole graph thing on the ocean. Also, why didn't he see it before? They, 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 showed, they have to Yeah. It was but okay. I'm gonna And then of course they mess up the coordinates as well. Um but so, and in the book, Luke never gets the fleece in the book. Luke does not show up. Luke does not have a hand on the fleece. Everything from this point on is purely movie until like the last scene. So like, okay. Just one more thing about the graph on the thing. So I actually like yeah. that they had a visual representation of what he was seeing and I wish they would yeah. have used it better because I wish they would have showed you like how it was working or something. Um, but yeah. I did like that they tried to do a visual. However, they're still in the sea of monsters, which means it's not Poseidon's domain, which means his exactly. powers are not working. Yeah. 
So they break yeah. their own lore a couple of times. And yeah, so yeah. they, they, they need do. to be consistent with their lore. <laughs> and when you have a source 100%. material that is consistent, it makes it you look really dumb to not be consistent. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and then we finally get to the end. So they get the, or Luke gets the fleece. He puts uh, it on top of Kronos's trunk. And oh, we think Tyson is dead as well. Tyson, because Tyson took the arrow yeah. for Percy and fell into he, water. And then he falls off a cliff. Yeah, he falls into a river. Yeah. So yeah. then Luke has the, um, the trunk and he puts the fleece over it. And Kronos comes back to life. First thing he does is eat Luke. <laughs> and because literally that's what Kronos is known for is eating his children. And he's like, I'm your great grandson. And it's like, okay, let me eat you. <laughs> so he's just like, oh, my favorite. So he eats Luke. And everybody's like, what? Oh, no, that's so sad. Poor Luke. And then they're, you know, he, they fight the monster for a little bit. Finally, um, the cursed uh, blade comes out and it turns out that it was Percy's sword all along was the cursed blade of the prophecy. He cuts off his hand and everything that he cuts with the sword goes back into the trunk. And so then he cuts him down the middle. Oh, he also, the Kronos is like attacking them and he also eats Grover. Yes. Grover, so Grover and Luke are now dead. <laughs> and then he cuts, uh, then um, Percy cuts him down the middle doing a total like Peter Pan pirate slide all the way down, sending him back into the box and releasing Luke and Grover who are not dead. And then they um, throw Luke into a pit with the Cyclops that we met before that eats people. And he is like, Oh, yummy dinner. And so it's like, wait, Luke, dying again like it's the poor guy needs to catch a break like how many times has he quote unquote died <laughs> like he just keeps dying but then he never stays dead so it's like you don't know if he's actually dead if he actually defeats the cyclops or what because he apparently he's very good at you know not dying so yeah um we do actually get to see annabeth fight for like a split second which is great we have the whole like rallying behind percy and then clarice rallies behind him for some unknown reason because suddenly <laughs> she has the personality change for no apparent reason and we have the moment of um percy realizing that he never really called tyson his brother and he never accepted him and he was just so caught up in his own drama that he never really cared about Tyson. And then Tyson dies for him. And then Tyson comes back and is not dead and saves uh, Percy from Luke before the whole thing happens, but doesn't stop Kronos from coming back. A whole big thing. Anyway, they have the whole brother moment. And then at the end, when Luke falls into the pit, Kronos is in the thing. There's this giant bear scorpion thing that attacks them, stabs Annabeth in the back. So she's dying, obviously. And then they cut off, uh, Clarice cuts off its tail and it turns to stone and falls apart. Because that's what they do. And, <laughs> and yeah, and then um, they put the fleece on top of Annabeth and she dies anyway. But then the fleece brings her back to life. So basically they have this big epic battle with death and destruction and nobody dies and nothing gets destroyed. 
So yeah, for the bear scorpion, that that looked pretty dead because it turned to stone and then crumbled. So yeah, but that but monsters come back in this universe. So whatever. Yeah, so, come back eventually. There's um, just a lot of fake out deaths. Yeah, and again, <laughs> so that that scorpion monster was actually from the first book. Not it's not in the second book. It's in the first book, and it's what Luke uses at the very end of the first book. Percy's back at camp. They restored the lightning bolt, and then Luke takes Percy, like you know, let's go on a walk. And then Percy finds out that Luke is a bad guy, and Luke invite has a scorpion monster there who stabs Percy, and Percy almost dies. So like all of that was supposed to have happened with Percy and Luke in the first book. So they, I was happy to see it in the second movie just because of like, hey, they're. I thought they were just like doing like a callback to it, but then they actually like had it like be all scary and like actually stab Annabeth and stuff. And I thought that was weird. Um, Annabeth does have to have the fleece used on her. She doesn't die in the book, though. She gets injured from by the Cyclops. He drops her from a very, very high height. And she breaks her ribs and cuts, slashes her head open, like, wide open. So they use the fleece on her, but she's not dead. She's just close to it. <laughs> so they, 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 it's like they take elements of from the books, but they don't fully go through with them if you know what i mean like they're like oh yes yeah. there was a scorpion monster that we didn't like have in the that luke likes and to use and we had it in the we didn't have it in the first movie so let's have it in this one like being with luke and i thought that was nice until he actually was like fighting them and stuff i'm like well that doesn't happen and then he stabs annabeth i'm like that definitely doesn't happen i mean obviously at this point she's not injured by the cyclops so i figured something else would happen to her or they wouldn't use the fleece on her but they did. So it was just kind of weird that they decided to take keep small elements of the books, but be so far off. Like, all everything, everything from the second they exit the cave, literally until they're, like, back at camp, is completely movie. Yeah. It's not I... what happens in the book. <laughs> so I thought it was weird that they kept small elements of the book without actually keeping to the book, you know? Yeah, it was kind of like a nod to the book rather than an adaptation of the book, you know? Yes, that's what I was trying to get. Yeah, that's that's a perfect way to say it. Um, yeah. So my only notes for that section was just like, how many times are people gonna have fake out deaths? Like, I don't believe anybody <laughs> is ever going to die in this story because every time someone does, they come back to life. So yeah. no, um, no faith that anyone will ever die in this story. Um, <laughs> it's like a soap opera; then, they just keep coming back. Yeah. So then they come back to camp with the fleece. They put it on the tree and it heals the tree. The next morning, um, it brings back a girl who's been dead for seven years. So once again, no way anybody is ever dying in this series because you just put the fleece on them. Like, even though they've been dead in a tree for seven years, like, there's no, there's nothing permanent. There's no permanent. Yeah. In 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 the book. So to be fair, in the book, she never died. In the book, she was close to death, and instead of dying, he tra- Zeus transferred her life force into a tree. But in the movie, they say that she died, and I'm like, but she, but she didn't though. She didn't. Yeah. Like she is alive. <laughs> she is the tree. What the fleece does is bring her back to her body, like transfer her life force, basically. But- I feel like they should have done that earlier, like. Hey, your friend's a tree. You want to know what would fix that? The fleece that heals everything. 
Like you should go on I a think quest. they had some prophecy at that. Well, yeah, for one, they didn't yeah, they knew the fleece was in the sea of monsters. That's all the information they had. Um, they hadn't sent people out on quests for a long time. I think I they they said that in the book, like Annabeth kept wanting to go on quests. And she kept bugging Mr. D. They, they, they referenced it in this movie. Mr. D's like, oh, you want to go on a quest? Must be Thursday. Which is from the books because she's always begging for quests before Percy comes. Um, but they don't let her her go out on quests. Like, very few people go. So there, there's, like, that. But also, I don't think any of them, one, thought the fleece could restore her to her body. Like, they didn't realize that it would do that. Like, they didn't know how powerful it would be. Yeah, because when they put the fleece on the tree, they they still in the movie they didn't think that they thought it would just help the barrier come pop back up. So yeah. like, there's that they didn't know for sure that that would happen. But I think I think the prophecy about the uh, a child of the big three was already out, so they weren't in a hurry to save a child of the big three. As horrible as that <laughs> sounds, the gods weren't. Like so, like, gonna wait until after she's twenty or what? Well, in the book, the prophecy is until she's sixteen, and like, if you reach the age of sixteen, and also in the book, I think, I think it's in the first book. I think her age paused her body's age at least. I think she might have aged along with them. I can't remember, but I think she was older than Annabeth. Also, I don't think she was the same age from what I remember. I have to read the first um, book. Like honestly, her her story and everything is like more in the first book than the second book, but it's more in the second movie than the first movie. So like, and I as I said, I only skimmed the first book because of time issues. So I don't remember. Also, it's Talia, not Thalia. I keep saying T H, and it's just T. But- <laughs> yeah. They scream it like five times at the beginning of the movie. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> right. Also, I had a really quick thing back to the movie. What makes Percy's blade cursed? Is it because it's the same sword that originally defeated Kronos? I'm guessing because it doesn't actually say, but Kronos recognizes it as the cursed blade. So I'm guessing, yeah, it's just it's the sword that defeated him the first time. Okay, that makes sense. It doesn't explain that, but that's what I got from context was because Cronus recognized it, that was what it was. But nobody felt, you know, the need to tell Percy that. So nope, never. he had no idea what the what the curse blade meant. And he's like, is this a curse blade? I don't know. It's just a <laughs> pen that, that my teacher gave me before I was even, yeah. you know, I was a god. Um, so overall, I liked this movie. Like, it was a fun, entertaining, teeny bopper action movie. Yeah. There were obviously a lot of flaws, a lot of missed opportunities where they could have done things closer to the book. They could have, you know, done a lot more character development, mm-hmm. but they could have, you know, not tried to kill everybody and then bring them back to life a hundred <laughs> times. Yeah. But overall, I really enjoyed it. I liked it a lot better than the first one. And I didn't yeah. mind the first one. The, the first one just didn't have very good story. And I feel like this one had a better story. Like, yeah. the way that they did the quest and the, the quest of three. Like, I think they did way better with this one. But the oh, characters yeah. were still really lacking. And it was the main characters. It wasn't like... Like, I feel like um, Stanley Tucci gave more personality to Mr. D than we got from Percy the entire movie. You know, like... Yeah, he fell into... He kind of fell into the main character syndrome portion where they have very little to no personality they're just kind of a vehicle for everything to happen through and around 
Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so overall I liked it. I thought it was a good little mid-grade action movie and I would watch it again and I'd probably watch it by itself and just forget about the first one. <laughs> I, I, really- I, didn't, I didn't hate the first one because I never read the book, so I didn't hate it. It just was told really badly so and then the, this one was told well so I was like yeah. you know what I would just watch this one and get a yeah. summary of the first one because that's what they do for the first half of the movie is just summarize the first the yeah first movie. the second movie definitely was a lot better even with everything I said and with them um, they because I think the storytelling was better because again even though near the end they went off the rails they did stick closer to the book and and the way the quest goes in the book um uh, to the movie again there were differences in the quest especially with the order like they mix up the order of a bunch of things happening um and this, the, their entrance into the sea of monsters and everything goes completely different but i liked that they ha- had a better story this time I, I feel like they learned at least that much i feel like with the third movie we might have actually gotten some character development but we're gonna be cut off in 40 seconds so we'll say goodbye here <laughs> <laughs> yeah So, yeah, I thought it was a good movie, and this is Taya. This is Laura signing off for Your Little Sister's Productions. Bye. Bye.